Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Three for Three, an interview with Kirsten Long. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Kirsten Long. Kirsten Long is a 26-year-old personal trainer from St. Petersburg, Florida. She currently works for a sports nutrition company. Growing up, Ms. Long, her sister, and one of their friends used to spend every day outdoors. None of them ever found a tick biting them during their woodland adventures. Fast forward to the summer of 2012, when Ms. Long began to experience the first symptoms of a tick disease. She developed pain in her legs and went from being able to run 10 miles a day to not being able to run at all. After two long years of suffering, Ms. Long's sister, who was also suffering from the symptoms of a tick disease, made a prayer request for Ms. Long at their church. A parishioner stood up and asked if they had looked into Lyme. Ms. Long then watched the documentary Under Our Skin, and she knew she had Lyme disease. Her hygienic test then confirmed it. Not only do Ms. Long and her sister have Lyme, but they discovered their childhood friend does as well. Ms. Long dramatically changed her lifestyle. She went on antibiotics, eliminated foods from her diet, and she takes herbal supplements. Hey, Kirsten Long, and welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me on the podcast. We're blessed to have you. And Kirsten, can you share with us where you live? Um, currently, I'm living in St. Petersburg, Florida. And what do you do in St. Petersburg, Florida? I'm working for a sports nutrition company selling products like proteins and aminos and pre-workouts and stuff like that. Now, are you originally from Florida? I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and I went to college in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And what school did you go to? Uh, the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And what did you study when you were at uh, UTC? Uh, when I was at UTC, I studied exercise science as a major and minored in biology because for a second there, I thought I wanted to do physical therapy and then I thought I wanted to do uh, med school and I was just all over the place. So I was like, I'll just study everything. That's something you smart folks have the ability to do. So Kirsten, can you share with us when you first started to show the symptoms of a tick disease? Um, it started the spring, summer of 2012. And how did the symptoms first show themselves? It, sh it was mostly pain in my legs. Everybody thought it could be a sports injury because I played three sports. So it was like uh, tightness, burning in, in my calves, burning in my heels, um, just like a lot of pressure and discomfort in my legs. Now, prior to feeling those symptoms in 2012, had you ever felt anything like that before? Never. I was always pretty healthy and always like the athlete and all the sports teams and pretty active. And, and how did those symptoms develop after they first presented in 2012? It, it just continuously got worse, like more painful. Like sometimes I, it felt like I couldn't feel my legs. Like I would be nervous driving because like that it was just like neurological symptoms, muscular symptoms and just very painful and uncomfortable. And when did you first start seeing doctors to help you to determine what was wrong with you? I first saw a doctor in the summer of 2012, and it was just like something kind of like an urgent care, probably. And I think they did like an x-ray of my legs and was like, all right, looks good. It's probably just uh, tendonitis or something and sent me home. And that was the first, my first try to figure out what was going on. And how are these symptoms impacting your life? Um, I couldn't do anything 
that I enjoyed anymore. Like after high school, because I finished high school in 2012, I was thinking about doing triathlons and stuff. So I could still swim, but I couldn't run at all. And I had been able to run like five to 10 miles a day easy. And then I, I just couldn't run at all anymore. And were your symptoms having an impact on your ability to study, on your ability to socialize? Not so much my ability to study at that time, but socializing, yes. I had some of my friends from high school say, like, oh, she's not fun anymore. And it was just because I was in so much, like, pain and had no answer to it or no way to make it better that I just didn't feel like walking a lot because it hurt and, and didn't feel like going out as much anymore. Now, as your symptoms developed and they got worse and worse, did the symptoms or the pain impact your ability to read or study while you were in college? It was mostly, again, the pain in my legs because I could barely walk to class. Like when my parents took me for the freshman orientation, I could barely keep up and like make it around the campus to see where everything's at. And the drive home, I, I was in so much pain, just like laying in the back of the car, crying in so much pain. And I almost, like, they almost considered, like, not having me go to college because, like, how, how was I going to walk to class every day if I was in that much pain? I couldn't get there. Now, as your symptoms were developing, were there any people in your life that were doubting whether or not you were really sick? I don't think they were doubting. I think some of my friends just didn't understand, probably, because I mean, back when I was in high school, I knew uh, some people at school or some people at church who had Lyme disease. And I mean, I didn't understand it at that time. So I understand why they wouldn't understand. But my family wasn't doubting me or that there was something really going on because I'm not one to complain about like physical pain or my feelings or anything like that. Like I'm not a drama queen. So when I was like constantly saying like, this is really bad, they were definitely like, oh, she's serious. Let's talk about the people in your community who had Lyme disease and what you knew about that. When you were growing up, were you aware of ticks and were you aware of, of Lyme disease? I was aware of Lyme disease, but I was not aware of really how you got it. There was a girl in my high school who had to drop out of school because she got Lyme disease. And I just, I mean, she wasn't in my grade. I, I wasn't close to her at all. I just knew it happened. So I didn't look into it really. And then I knew some people at church who had it, but again, like they weren't, they weren't my age. Like I wasn't close with them. And I just, I didn't take the initiative to research or educate myself about it at that time. So you were generally aware of Lyme disease because of some experiences that you had at school and some experiences you had at church, but other than an awareness, you really didn't know much about Lyme disease. Yes, I had no education. I knew it was a thing, but I had no education about it. Now, what did you know about ticks during your childhood and your pre-illness period of your life? Absolutely nothing. Me, uh, my sister, and one of my best friends, Molly, we would be out in the woods every day playing in the woods playing in the river uh and no fear about that because none of us knew about it do you ever recall having been bitten by a tick during your childhood me no i don't 
I don't, and my friend Molly doesn't. Um, my sister was bitten by a tick when we were really young, but that's the only tick incident that I can recall. Now, when did you first start thinking that you might have Lyme disease? That was in 2014 because of uh, my sister was making a, a prayer request at church about my symptoms. And one of the people in the room was like, oh, has she looked into Lyme disease? And she was like, my sister was like, no. And then that's what made us look into it is, was that suggestion. So you went a full two years of suffering from various symptoms. And it was after your sister had made an appeal to parishioners at your church that um, you first started to even think about Lyme disease. Yes. Can you share with us what your relationship is with your sister and why she was mm -hmm. sharing with the congregants at your church what was going on with you? Um, we have actually had both been suffering for a long time. Uh, my sister also, in the end, was diagnosed with Lyme disease. So her, her symptoms were like neck, shoulder, jaw, mostly. But like the the pain, the pains that I was feeling in my legs was so similar to what she was describing in like her neck and shoulder jaw area. And so she was making a prayer request for me because she knows like, I mean, we were both miserable, not knowing what was going on with us. We're young. And that's what brought her to make that request at church. And then um, I guess some people from the church just had better knowledge of Lyme disease than we ever even considered. So your sister's prayer request was what triggered the folks from your community to reach out and share with you that they believe that your symptoms may have been consistent with Lyme disease. Yes. So what was the two-year journey like before you first had that revelation that uh, you may be suffering from Lyme disease? Meaning, did you ever have any doubt in your, you know, in your own mind about whether or not you were really sick when you were going through a journey and you were not being given a diagnosis? I never doubted that I was sick. I know, like I had a doctor tell me before, maybe you're just depressed, but I, I mean, the, the symptoms were so real. There's no way it was in my head. I did uh, have like hopelessness that maybe I would be, have, live like a bedridden life or die or something I don't know like it like just seeing so many doctors like 10 to 15 doctors and nobody being able to help like have an answer at all or even close was pretty hopeless. Over this two-year window of being sick you got misdiagnosed with a lot of other things as well can you talk to us about some of those misdiagnoses? Yes at first it was a lot of probably they were saying sports injuries she's in the sports got to be a sports injury and so uh, I did a ton of physical therapy. I did physical therapy for like the whole summer of 2012 and didn't get any better. And then uh, they thought I saw a lot of orthopedic doctors because my the worst of my symptoms was like chronic pain in my legs. So they thought maybe uh, tendonitis, maybe it was compartment syndrome, maybe I uh, had a neurological disorder or something. Um, I saw um, vascular doctors, endocrinologist doctor, any doctor you can think of. I probably saw them. And 
I had a muscle biopsy at one point because they thought I had a muscular dystrophy. They took a chunk of uh, muscle out of my left thigh to test it for that. And I didn't have that. Um, I, I sat in a bone scan machine for a whole day because I thought, I don't know what they thought I had, but I was willing to try that. And um, I did a nerve study where they like stick needles and all your nerves and then shock them to see if they're responding correctly and that was extremely painful and whatever they were testing for there I didn't have that I got an MRI done with an orthopedic doctor and actually on the MRI it showed like my legs were just like covered in scar tissue like without any explanation like he was like I don't know why it's like this so then that just led to more physical therapies um, I did an ASTEM physical therapy where they like scrape your muscles. I did dry needling physical ther therapy. So that's a <laughs> long list of things that you did in that two-year window. Was there ever a diagnosis that they gave you that they said, here's a diagnosis and this is what is causing your symptoms, that they told you this is it and you need to accept this? The, the closest thing to that, that is I had one doctor just tell me that this is your life now you have to learn to live like that did you just lose hope at any point thinking i'm gonna have to live like this the rest of my life and just deal with it or did you just keep fighting and fighting and fighting and keep seeing doctors and running tests until you finally found the solution i i did keep trying to find something but i it felt pointless like i was hopeless and it felt pointless but like anybody who would give me an option I, you know I would go for it because I, I just wanted an answer like I didn't even care if it was the worst answer possible I just wanted an answer. Was there ever a recommendation that this could have been a mental health related problem? I, I did have one doctor say like uh, I don't know how you're not depressed maybe it's just you're depressed but it wasn't a diagnosis I feel like it was just another doctor guessing at oh, it, it might be this but I don't know. And before you got diagnosed, were any of these doctors prescribing you any kind of medication or recommending you do anything to help your symptoms while you were going down this journey of figuring out what was causing your symptoms? The only recommendations that I got from any doctors was always physical therapy. And then, I mean, I was given some like pain management medications, but that obviously that didn't help. That was just like a temporary fix for the pain. So at this point, what changed at the end of this two year window where you were thinking it could have been all these other things and what put Lyme in your mind at that point? Um, well, it was really uh, that lady, that lady's comment at church. And that's what led me and my sister to watch the Under Our Skin documentary about Lyme disease. And Honestly, as soon as we were like halfway through that documentary, we were both like, this is what we have. Like, it couldn't have been more clear. Like, that was it. So once you watched the Under Our Skin documentary and the, the people at church had made the recommendation that it could be Lyme disease, did you bring this back to your primary care physician? What were your next steps? So my next step was to get the... We did the Western blot test to get our uh, the blood results, but we couldn't figure out like a doctor to do that for us. We did find an uh, endocrinologist that 
did it for us and sent it to the hygienics lab. And when the results came back, what did he do? Did he call you back in for a follow-up? Did he call you over the phone? How did you receive the results of those tests and what were the results? So I had the results went to him and then we had him just forward it straight to the Lyme doctor that we were going to see. Did he give you any sort of an indication about what the results were before you went to your Lyme litter doctor and they were sent to him or he basically just said, I'm going to forward them along and go see your Lyme doctor? He just forwarded, them, forwarded the results along. It, it's not his specialty. So he was like, I can get it because we begged for it. And he was like, I can get it for you. I'll forward it along to this other doctor. And how did you find the Lyme doctor? Was, was this Lyme doctor recommended by this endocrinologist that ran the hygienics blood test for you? Um, it was not recommended by the endocrinologist. It was recommended by uh, this lady at church. Both of her kids have Lyme disease, and she had brought them to that doctor in the past and said that he helped a lot. So we were like, all right, let's go to him then because there's no doctors in our town that are going to help us with that. And how far away was this Lyme litter doctor that was recommended to you by a friend from church? Uh, we had to travel about eight or nine hour drive across country just to see a doctor that would uh, analyze the results correctly and actually give us like treatment advice for chronic Lyme disease. Can you walk us through what it was like traveling to this Lyme litter doctor, having so much, so such high expectations of this doctor and then getting the results in his office? I, I mean, more than anything, I think me and my sister both just felt relieved that because after watching the doc documentary under our skin, we were so confident this was what it was. And then we got there and then he was like, uh, yes, this is what it is. And even though there's not like a solid cure for Lyme disease, at least we knew finally knew what it was and we could start, start working on that. So when you went to go see this doctor that was eight or nine hours away, this Lyme litter doctor, was your sister going as well? Was this a visit for the two of you? And she had also done the hygienics the blood test? Yeah, so the way it happened was she did it first. Uh, and then she went to see the doctor probably like two months before I did the first time. And then for our second appointment, then we went, we started going together. And then I don't think I ever went back for a third appointment because it was very expensive. It was not covered by insurance. So yeah, I only saw the doctor two times. So when you went this, this for your first time and your sister's second time, now you got your diagnosis at this point. Was your sister already diagnosed from her first visit or was this her diagnosis day as well? She was already diagnosed from her first visit. So she, she got diagnosed first and then I got diagnosed and then um, our friend, uh, Molly, got diagnosed a few months later, not by the same doctor. She went to a different doctor, I think, in Texas. But so we don't remember being bit by ticks, but like it was always us three hanging out, playing outside, playing in the woods, playing by the river, stuff like that. So we feel like during those middle school, high school days, at some point, we must have been bitten by ticks and contracted Lyme disease out there. So now that you have your diagnosis from this Lyme litter doctor, what was your treatment plan? And was it with this doctor or did you go back to your, another doctor to get treatment because you just couldn't afford to go to this Lyme litter doctor anymore for your treatment? 
So I, I did get a treatment plan from the Lyme literate doctor and we were, he wanted us to do cycling on antibiotics and then a lot of other stuff like vitamins, detoxing, you know, waiting two years to get this diagnosis. I was so ready to start working on it. I didn't really experiment and like start off slow and see what works the best. I kind of just went ham and did it all at once. As soon as we got the diagnosis, I immediately cut out gluten, dairy, and for a time I, I cut out nightshades as well and low sugar, went on that diet. And then I immediately started that antibiotic cycling. And then I immediately started taking all the supplements and he, he was really big on heat, like the infrared saunas or heat kills bacteria and stuff. So then I signed up for Bikram yoga because it's a very hot um, hour and a half long yoga class. I did that every day. So I started to feel better pretty quickly throughout that summer because I just like did everything all at once. So the, the yoga, you mentioned it was the Bikram yoga. How, how did that help? Did it help you emotionally? Did it help you physically or both? Um, I honestly think it helped both, you know, sweating out all, because it's a very long, hard yoga class, like sweating out all those toxins for an hour and a half and like all the pain that I, like the chronic pain I had in my legs, like stretching that out, out helped a lot. And I, it did help me emotionally too, because like during the two years I was misdiagnosed, I wasn't able to exercise the way I used to. So, I mean, all I could do was like, get on the stationary bike or swim in the pool or something but that's obviously I would uh, like to do more than that and so being in that class I felt like I was accomplishing fitness I was getting better like physically from Lyme disease at the same time. You mentioned that the Lyme litter doctor wanted you to cycle your antibiotics so does that mean that you would go on a certain type of antibiotic and then stop and then do a different type of antibiotic and kind of rotate different types of antibiotics is that what that means? Yeah, that's exactly what it means. So what he would have us do is like one month we would be on, we would do two antibiotics. Next month we would switch to different two antibiotics next month. And we'd do that for four months and then we would stop and do blood work and uh, just like not like Lyme, like a Lyme disease test blood work, just like general blood work, make sure everything's good. And then he would ex prescribed the next four months, like the next four cycles, and then so on. And I did that for a year and a half. So out of all the antibiotics that you were on, if you had to say, which one would you say was the most effective in treating your Lyme disease? Yeah, I really think it was the way, like combining all of them and cycling through them. Um, I feel like Doxy might have killed off like a lot of the Lyme symptoms for me but it also was like one of the most like it made me feel the most like tired I have a I do have lists of all the antibiotics if you I can talk about them here or if anybody wants to know they can message me and I can tell them yeah if you could just briefly give us an overview of some of the antibiotics that you were on during this year and a half window of cycle the antibiotics um, okay, so I was doing Zithromax, Placnol, Omni, Omni stuff. I don't know how to say a lot of them. Of course, doxycycline, uh, Mepron, Erythrocycline, Placnol a lot, 
minocycline, sulfa. There, there would be like we. I'd be on uh, doxy like one month, and then next month, month off, and then back on doxy the next month. And same thing with clacmol. It seems like there was a lot of um, cycles where I would be on and off of uh, doxy and clacmol. You also mentioned that for a little while you stopped eating nightshades. What are nightshades? Can you talk to us about what these are and why our listeners should be on the lookout for them as well? So nightshades are supposed to be like the pain foods, like uh, eggplant, certain peppers, tomatoes, and stuff like that. And the, uh, my Lyme doctor was really, really wanting us to go off of those, which was, was really hard for me because I'm like a big spicy food addict. <laughs> I can give up the gluten, the sugar, I don't really care, but that was hard for me. So I don't continue that to this day. I To this day, I do not eat gluten or dairy, but uh, the nightshade thing, I did that for maybe two or three years. I did no nightshades. The nightshades really are a category of foods that will create additional pain in your body. Is that accurate? I'm sure it is, but I like bring and introducing it back into my diet now. I'm not noticing any new pain from bringing it back. So I, I'm not really sure for myself personally, but I know there is a lot of research that taking those foods out can help a lot with pain. And you also mentioned you did a lot of other things aside from antibiotics and diet changes. So you did mention that you did some detox protocols. Can you give us some examples of what detox protocols you did and which ones you felt were the most effective? Yes. For me, uh, heat helped a lot. Like I was, the Bikram yoga was huge for me. And then also something that I did a lot of was Epsom salt bath. I don't, I don't remember why, but uh, the Lyme doctor said either do Epsom salt with baking soda in a bath. I think it was for pH your pH levels. And that helped a lot. Or I would do uh, Epsom salt with uh, essential oils in the bath. And that helped a lot as well. And you got to keep the water like as hot as you can take it. You also mentioned that you did the infrared sauna. Can you talk to us how that helped you? And if you think that's something that would be beneficial for others to try as well? Yeah, it did help me a lot. Uh, The lady at the church who suggested the Lyme doctor that we go see um both of her kids had Lyme so she actually had an infrared sauna in her house so me and uh, my sister did that a couple times and then other than doing that a couple times I mean with my gym memberships I do the saunas all the time just for some reason the heat helps my pain so much and again it could just be you know sweating out toxins and I know there's other benefits too, but that, I mean, heat helps me personally. So in, in general, detox is really to help you release toxins that are keeping you sick. Is that an accurate summation of the things that you did? Absolutely. Did you try any other things to help alleviate your symptoms while getting treatment? Like, have you ever tried CBD oil or any CBD product? I actually didn't know anything about CBD until here recently, just because of the industry I work in with sports nutrition, CBD is a pretty big thing. So I've just recently tried CBD, but I mean, it would have been nice, it would have been nice to know back then because I, I just don't feel like I need it as much now. So after the year and a half of antibiotics, this was going back probably two or three years ago. Now you finished the oral antibiotics and the cycling. How were you feeling at that point when you stopped? What made you decide to stop taking the antibiotics? 
I was probably feeling like 75 or 80% better than I felt um, between 2012 and 2014. The reason I decided to stop is because, I mean, we all know there's no like cure, like cure cure for Lyme disease. So it just kind of felt like I was going to be on antibiotics for the rest of my life now. And I was like, you know, I need to figure out how to, a way to manage the Lyme disease without taking antibiotics forever because I'm, you know, so bad for your kidney and liver and stuff like that. So I just was like, you know what, I'll take it from here without the antibiotics. You just hit on a key point that antibiotics do have some adverse or negative effects as well. So one of the things that you mentioned in your pre-interview questionnaire is that you took some supplements to help boost your immune system. Can you talk more about that and what supplements you took to help balance out and strengthen your immune system? Yes. So um, my Lyme doctor suggested a lot of supplements. So if anybody wants to know like exactly everything he suggested, you can reach out to me on social media. But the ones that I personally actually went out of my way to take, and I still take all these same supplements today, because I mean, even though I do feel way better than I felt in 2014, my immune system is still terrible. So I take multivitamin, I take vitamin C, I take magnesium, I take CoQ10, I take uh, probiotics, I take fish oil, I take zinc, I take B12 vitamin, I, I take calcium sometimes. But those, those are the ones that stuck out the most to me when I was like reading about all the supplements I should take and that they seem the most important. So yeah, I still take all of those today. After you stopped taking the antibiotics, you mentioned you were about 75% better. Did you have a setback? We hear quite often, unfortunately, when people stop taking antibiotics after a long period of time, they have some setbacks and struggles. So what was that like after the antibiotics for the next couple of years up until the present date? So I didn't have any major setbacks other than just like very poor immune system incidents. Like, so I took it, I took the antibiotics from 2014 to about 2016. And I guess after I stopped taking them, like maybe it was making, I don't know, something about my immune system that year. I got the stomach flu one month and then the next month I got the flu flu and then the next month I got pneumonia. And, but nothing, I mean, I'm sure that's Lyme related because the Lyme disease has messed up my immune system drastically, but yeah, nothing like really like the pain in my legs. I didn't have like any huge flare up after going off of the antibiotics. And from looking at your Instagram and just, you know, chatting a little bit offline before this podcast, we know that you're doing significantly better today. You're back exercising and you look probably better than ever. So can you give us an assessment of how you feel today? Um, I do feel good, but like, it's not like I'm just living a regular life feeling good. I like really put a lot of hard work into it. Like I still take all those um, supplements that I listed. I, you know, I'm really responsible with my sleep schedule. I still don't eat gluten and dairy. I still eat low sugar. Um, I, I drink a gallon of water a day. You know, I still sit in the sauna. And I do have to monitor my workouts to make sure, like, if I push past my limit, I will have, uh, like, flare-ups with my legs, especially 
like the pain was especially in my calves, like feet and behind my knees. And so I can't, I'll never be able to run like I used to be able to run five to 10 miles. And I just have to accept that and just like work within my limits. I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners how you exercise during this difficult period in your life and how that was able to help you to change your health. So uh, like I said, between 2012 and 2014, I was extremely limited because like misdiagnosed and in so much pain, but I still went, like would get over to the student workout area and they had a swimming pool. I, I would swim probably three times a week because uh, there's no pressure on like your joints or anything. Uh, I did competitive swim team uh, from third grade to 12th grade. So I'm really thankful that I did that. So then I like had that option to swim as exercise during this time when I wasn't able to run, like I wasn't able to lift weights like I wanted to and stuff like that. But then after I got diagnosed, I did that whole summer of Bikram yoga and that's about the only exercise that I did um, but I felt like it helped my symptoms a lot and then after that I felt a little bit better so I would just do like very light lifting exercises you know still wasn't able to run at all so I would do swimming for cardio and then probably not until 2016 I felt more normal working out but then I got so sick that year so I guess I didn't really feel like back into the swing of things until 2017. But you did exercise during the entirety of your journey. And do you believe that that helped you have an edge in your recovery? Meaning, do you believe that your immune system was stronger because you were able to exercise all during the course of that journey? I really do. I, you know, I've like listened to TED Talks from scientists and stuff about how exercise like uh, helps your immune system like fights off like you know chronic diseases like Alzheimer's or whatever you know all that stuff so I'm sure like it's the same thing for Lyme disease because I didn't give up on exercising it was releasing like all those positive hormones and strengthening my body strengthening my immune system so I'm really glad that I stuck with that. Now, did your appearance change during that window of time when you were really sick? Or did you look the same and did some people doubt whether you were really sick because you looked good? Um, my appearance did not change much and that was really confusing for people why, like to believe that I was as sick as I was. Yeah, like my, my family knew what was going on, but you know, people that aren't close with me were like, I, I mean, she can't be that sick. Look at her. And how did it make you feel when people were looking at you and judging you as not being as sick as you were claiming to be? It wasn't uh, as upsetting to me as you think it might be just because, I mean, because I, I'm able to put myself in their shoes. Like I was like that back when I was younger in middle school and high school when I knew uh, people had Lyme disease, but, you know, they didn't really look that bad. So I didn't. I didn't believe that Lyme disease was as serious as it was because, you know, you can't see how bad it really is. So can you now share with our listeners how your life has changed as a consequence of this journey, meaning how are you better and different as a consequence of having your Lyme disease journey? Um, it's helped me a lot. Um, during the time of being misdiagnosed, 
was probably the strongest my spiritual life has ever been in my entire life. It made me really care about that more. It, I feel like it made me more humble, humble and more empathetic towards other people, just like more open to putting myself in other people's shoes than I was back when I was like 16 or 17 years old before any of this happened. And it's inspired me to do things for my health that I probably wouldn't have done if this never happened and inspired me to inspire others to do things for their health that I probably like wouldn't be as passionate about if this had never happened. Kirsten, one of the things that we've noticed through our 79 episodes of podcasts that uh, social support is really important for recovery. And we have quite frankly, a majority of people who have lost support of their family who were either sick of them being sick or didn't believe that they were sick. They lost the support of the social circle, and in many cases, they lost the support of their spiritual community. And it seems to me that one of the reasons why you seem to have been able to do so well is that you've been able to keep your support system intact. Your church community continued to support you in a number of different ways and ultimately led you to a diagnosis. Your family stayed with you, and you were also able to stay consistent with your exercise regimen and your fitness regimen. So it's interesting just from the standpoint of the patterns that we've observed that you were lucky to have a supportive spiritual and family community during your journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, I can't imagine going through it alone. And I mean, you know, I wish that my sister and that my friend didn't have Lyme disease, of course, but like if it would have been so different if it was only me and I mean, I'm I'm glad the way I am, that I am the way I am, that I, you know, I'm not drama. I don't complain ever. So, like, it was really easy for my parents to believe that I wasn't, you know, making stuff up or that um, it was really easy for them to believe that there was something actually serious going on because that's not like me at all to, you know, be complaining or be crying about something. But, yeah, and then most of my friends, I mean – they were there for me too through the whole thing like just a few friends were like oh she she doesn't hang out like she used to or she's not fun anymore that was like very few people so i have one final question for you if god forbid tomorrow someone close to you called you and said i've just been bitten by a tick what should i do so i don't have to go through the journey you've gone through what advice would you give them um i would give them advice you know save the tick, go to the doctor right away, make sure the doctor gives you a doxycycline and pay close attention to any symptoms that you might have. Uh, if you get bit by a tick, I think it's something that's handled and treated immediately. You'll, you'll have better luck of, you know, nothing really bad, that bad happening to you. But it's like situations where you're misdiagnosed for months or years. And that's when it you get the chance for it to get really bad. So if I, I'm, I actually have had probably two people reach out to me from um, high school or from my jobs in high school. I used to lifeguard and be like, Hey, I got bit by a tick. What do I do? And that, yeah, that's what I tell them is, you know, save the tick, get to the doctor right away and get on the um, doxycycline. Thank you for listening to the tick Boot Camp interview with Kirsten Long. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Kirsten Long, please visit her Instagram page at K-L-O-N-G underscore F-I-T. 
Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a Tick Bite blueprint, which has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to visit the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for commenting on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.